Divino Zigbo is active. That's great. So he's he's going to be their third running back? I guess. It's going to be pretty gross. By the way, I, I just went ahead and hit the, the live button. Just, you know, because why not? Oh, shit. <laughs> I was talking that, I mean, me revealing that Divina Zigbo is going to be the RB3. That was supposed to be behind the paywall, guys. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> everybody right. Venmo, everybody Venmo Pete when the show's over. <laughs> All right. Well, Theo, why don't you uh, why don't you get us started off here, and then uh, we'll we'll rip through about the next 45 minutes or so, and then get everybody out of here to go finalize their lineups. Yes, yeah, so we're excited. We've had a bunch of these uh, tailgate shows on Mondays and Thursdays, and I'm happy to welcome Pete Overset um, into the Goat District uh, for the first first time. And uh, we're, we're happy to have you tonight. Um, I don't think anybody needs to know where to find you, but maybe you could go over kind of your, your schedule right now, um, where they can find you and ship chasing and everything, all the other great things you're doing. Yeah, I mean, for this crew, yeah, we do ship chasing on Wednesday nights at 9.15 leading up to FFPC lock. You know, people want us to release the bids, you know, before they come out. So we do that. And uh, yeah, I write the Fantasy Life newsletter uh, most days of the week over there, free newsletter. They're working with Matthew Barry. And, uh, and yeah, then just do a bunch of DFS stuff on my YouTube channel as well, you know, reviewing GPP lineups, talking strategy on Friday. So a little bit of everything in the fantasy space. And how did you guys do on waivers this week? Who were some of the guys you were adding on your teams um, and any guys you kind of missed out on that, that you were kind of disappointed to? Yeah, we were having big debates like in our group chats with our co-managers and stuff. And even Ben Gretsch and I were kind of on the this Mike Boone stuff is out of control. Pat was a little bit more bullish. And so I think we ended up kind of pushing our collective bids down, ended up missing on him because when you saw some of those $700 bids coming, we were like, OK, we value him completely differently even some of those latavius uh murray bids were insane i would say our most picked up guy across our teams was probably khalil shakur i thought he was going to be a little bit more sought after and we were getting him pretty routinely in the 30 to 50 dollar range but uh how about you guys what did you guys think of the whole kind of mike boone latavius murray frenzy so dan and i we ended up um i would say we we put bids for the our collective teams um on boone and murray um, yep. Dan, maybe maybe you could kind of share kind of the guys you won this week. Yeah, so basically, uh, my my bids for Boone and Murray were all, all pretty much between like ninety dollars and one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, yeah, you know, I, you know, there's just not that much to spend your money on so far this year. Um, you know, so it, it, you know, in in some years I probably wouldn't bid that much, but this year uh, you kind of got to do it. I've got a lot of teams that are. Uh, hero running back with uh, you know the the, the hero um, ha- having already taken the coup de grace for this year, uh, i.e. Jonathan Taylor or, or uh, you know DeAndre Swift and all that kind of stuff. So I am very interested in uh, any running back with the pulse on a lot of my teams. So I went that way, and we did get quite a quite a bit of uh, more Latavius Murray, I would say, than uh, Mike Boone. But I mean, I was surprised we were able to to pull them in for you know that ninety to one hundred and fifty range. Yeah, I tweeted out today um, basically the Boone the Boone winning bids in in my FFPC main events, and some were pretty nuts. I mean, we saw like north of of fifty percent in a few in a few leagues. Um, I think that Mojo tweeted out like a, an eight hundred plus um, yeah. Mike Boone bid. So it's 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 just nuts. Um, 
we were I was kind of making the argument that Latavius Murray would be the cheaper ad, and I think he's got a path. So we'll see where it goes. He's old, but I think that he's reliable. Um, and, you know, I think he can be utilized around the goal line. Again, this week was kind of weird. I had an, ended up with a lot of Dulcich where he was available. I kind yeah. of cleaned up Dulcich. Um, and then, like you, I added some Shakir. And if you, I'm just going back for kind of the second waiver wire run. Both of those guys are still available um, in a lot of these FFPC leagues. So it's definitely worth taking a look. What are kind of your thoughts on, on Shakir? Uh, do you think you see him having a path or is this more uh, speculative for you? Yeah, to me, the thing with him, like, is maybe just like a keep it simple, stupid kind of thing where it's like best offense in football. A lot of draft nicks and people thought he was an undervalued prospect. Um, you have obviously Crowder out for the season. McKenzie was in the concussion protocol, so there was a chance you might even get a spot start this week with him just on the field in three wide receiver sets. And then you also have Gabe Davis struggling a little bit. Granted, he's been dealing with that ankle injury, but you just could see paths to him getting on the field. And then I'm always like a big believer in if there's, you know, inertia or momentum, you know, you make a couple big plays and then the team's like, we can't take you off the field or we got to keep giving you opportunities. So while I didn't think he was just like a slam dunk, like getting a guy with his profile attached to Josh Allen where no one's really emerged beyond Steph Diggs, like to me, that was really attractive. Yeah, he's definitely interesting. Um, and then, Dan, you added some Mo Alley Cox. What Are you using him in any of your lineups tonight or is it just more of a keeping an eye on him from the bench? Do I have to answer that question? <laughs> um, full disclosure here. Full, full disclosure, yes, I am using him in a few spots. Uh, but, you know, it, it, as you know, um, you know, basically I punted tight end in almost every league. So, um, you know, in some of those leagues, I've I've righted the ship. In other leagues, I was still looking to right the ship. So I'm hoping... Uh, I'm hoping Cox can uh, pull it together and uh, and give me some decent starts uh, for a while here until you know something else happens. So yeah, I'm 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 starting Cox in a few places. Uh, I don't love it, but I'll do it. You're starting him with me. We have him. We've right. him out there together. So we're gonna we're gonna talk it into existence. Mo Ali Cox finds the end zone tonight on Thursday yes. Night Football, and we're gonna, we're gonna keep that thing going. Um, how, how about you, Pete? You, you, you have have you dipped your toes into the Cox water? You know, uh, I think we had him on a couple teams and then tossed him back after a couple, you know, Kyle Granson weeks. And then, you know, then you're looking at him again. It does seem like a good spot for him tonight. You know, it does seem like he pulled ahead again from those other guys. And then, you know, if you buy that, you know, Sertain's going to be, or Sertain's shutting down Michael Pittman, you got to think they, they need someone to step up. And then you can always hang your hat on him having a really nice red zone role. So, yeah, I mean, as far as those, like, you know, plug your nose and pray type spot starters. He, he seems pretty decent. Yeah, that's, that's your... basically the way I was looking at it too. Just put him in there and, and, and hope something happens in the end zone. One guy that I'm hopeful for that I have stashed a few places is Alec Pierce. Just curious, your two, your two guys' thoughts on Pierce um, and kind of his, his situation moving forward. Yeah, I mean, he, again, just under the thesis of, like, someone needs to step up in this offense. They're so devoid of playmakers. I had some high hopes that Paris Campbell would maybe be a thing heading into the season. That doesn't seem to be panning out. Um, I like Alec Pierce. He, You know, I tend to like all these rookies. They just, the black box nature of them and their ability to kind of earn a role as the season goes on is always attractive. And, um, 
it's just like what competition does he have even for targets in that offense? I mean, behind Pittman, they are so desperate for playmakers. He was dropped even in a couple of our main event leagues, and which surprised me because um, I think he could finish the season strong. Yeah, he had the concussion, and then he came back um, and I think he's got about 140 yards the last two weeks. Dan, do you have hopes of another pass catcher in Indianapolis kind of being fantasy viable? I, if it's anybody, it's probably uh, Pierce, I think. But I did, I don't really have a lot of Pierce. Um, I haven't seen him really get dropped hardly anywhere. And, um, you know, just kind of the way I was putting together my teams, I was mostly done at wide receiver around the time that uh, I'd be thinking about grabbing Pierce. Uh, I was a lot more interested in zero running back candidates. So uh, I don't I don't have a ton of him, but um, he is somebody that's interesting to me. I think he's, you know, I think he could come on down the stretch and uh, provide a, a nice little lift. I mean, you know, like if I could, between uh, Alec Pierce and Nico Collins, I think I'd take Pierce. Between Alec Pierce and Josh Palmer, I think I'd take Pierce. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about those, but you know, I think I'm with you. He was, on he was on drafted both behind both of those guys, so uh, I think that's already saying something. And then, what are you guys' thoughts on the Atlanta backfield? Um, obviously, uh, Tyler Algier was not available in in too many leagues we play in, um, but Damian Williams was. I think some people are stashing him. Um, do we guys have any thoughts on the appropriate way to play the Atlanta backfield, kind of moving forward? Are we hopeful for Algier, or we think Williams is a play? I mean, I'm definitely hopeful for Algier. I was uh, I was joking around on ship chasing last night that if you have Kyle Pitts, you should be picking up Huntley and Damian Williams so that you don't tilt when they're the ones getting the touches and it's not <laughs> Kyle Pitts. It's like leveraging against your own bet. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're kind of like the Bears, right? Where it's you're not super excited about that offense, but they're running it so much. And like, if the one thing we're, and we're probably going to talk about how frustrated we are with Arthur Smith, but the one thing he can do apparently is call a run game because it's, it's doing pretty well. So yeah, I had interest in Huntley. I like Damian Williams coming into the year um, just because he did kind of have that three down skill set. You could kind of squint and see the upside to a bell cow roll. Um, so yeah, it's a little complicated now. I don't love Huntley's profile, but he was kind of my preferred ad in that backfield with the assumption Algier was, was rostered everywhere. Yeah, I did the same thing. I, I picked up several shares of Huntley. <clears throat> um, I had a, a couple scattered uh, Damian Williams shares already where, you know, I just kind of had room to stash a player for a couple weeks. So um, I, I, I like that call as well. But uh, so, Pete, if you could spend five minutes alone in a room with uh, with Arthur Smith, what, what happens? Uh, um, you know, uh, first I'd turn on some music, uh, get some candles going. Uh, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's so massively frustrating right now. And, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of good jokes out there. I even saw right now they were showing, uh, there was a, a clip of him blocking and he was just absolutely crushing it as an inline blocker. And people were making the, the assumption, is he too good? as a you know a multifaceted tight end that they don't feel like they just need to use him exclusively as a pass catcher so there just seems to be so many issues right now and i feel like i don't know what i say to arthur smith other than you know get the ball to your best player and yet if they're only going to throw the ball 17 times it's not like they're ignoring him they're ignoring passing altogether to the point where i think we got to be worried about drake london going forward now too yeah, he's got, found a way to make, you know, two guys we were super excited about, like, unplayable 
Um, I am not a big Arthur Smith fan, but the guy's two and two, so we're not going to get him fired. Uh, it's it's inc- it's incredibly frustrating. Um, there there is only one coach in the league that is looking lovingly at the uh, Bears offense, and it's not the Bears offensive coordinator. It's Arthur Smith. It's it's just it's just crazy to me. Um, it's it's maybe the most frustrated I think I've been with uh with the coach's usage. I mean, it, like we're going to talk about Matt Rule, I'm sure as well as a guy that we're we all think is kind of a donkey, but. At least you're getting production out of Christian McCaffrey. Maybe not the smash that you want, um, but like I can't I can't think of another coach in the past few years where there was a player that I was so set on in the second round, and I can really look at you know the the coach's way they use him as the reason for his his lack of fantasy success. Because I think Kyle Pitts is a stud. We saw him flash last year, and this guy just doesn't seem to get it, um, especially. After the team used such high draft capital on him, and now they're running this archaic offense, it just the whole thing doesn't make much sense to me at all. It's very frustrating, and it's hard to know like what even shakeup or what change could actually benefit things. Sure, Arthur Smith could get fired. You know, maybe Desmond Ritter coming in might change things up a bit. But even then, they're not going to let him throw. I just don't even know how this gets better. I mean, I think Pitts is still going to get you know, a couple deep targets. He's going to get a couple red zone looks. He's going to convert and have some games, but the ceiling case for Kyle Pitts has essentially just been wiped out. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously anything has to start with, uh, you know, try to get Kyle Pitts in a route as many times as there is a drop back, um, you know, and we're not even there yet. So, you know, the, the other stuff still has to be added on top of that. So I, I think the first place to start, it's just having Pitts out in routes more often. Yeah. And on the flip side, besides some of these guys that we think are doing a terrible job, at least with our fantasy players, um, we're seeing some tremendous coaching performances, um, namely Mike McDaniel, who has been able to to elevate, you know, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle usage wise, uh, and also Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator with Detroit. Can we expect continued fantasy success from Miami and Detroit with their skill position players? Um, and maybe share your thoughts on a few guys, Pete. Yeah, I mean, this Miami offense is like the stuff fantasy dreams are made of where they're incredibly uh, pass heavy and then super concentrated as well. Like they basically just said, Mike Gesicki, you're you're a blocker. We are going to exclusively throw to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So, yeah, this is a dream. And I'm honestly not even that panicked about Tua being out this week. Sure. Yeah, I think you lose some of the like insane ceiling games like we saw in that Baltimore one. But I think Teddy is going to feed um, Jalen Waddle, who I believe was back at practice after missing Wednesday yes, and, and Tyreek. Yes, so I'm, I'm just not worried about those guys. I think they're both going to feast when you have that kind of target volume and a pass heavy offense. It's awesome. I would say I'm a little worried about the Lions specifically this week. Um, Amon Ra didn't practice again today. I just assume they sit him out with DeAndre Swift with the bye next week and i know people are excited about this team and how bad their defense is and how it leads to shootouts but man going on the road to new england outdoors their first non-dome game they've had three really juicy game environments and i think people are maybe just a touch too high on them in this spot this week i already bet the under on it it opened at 46 and a half down to 45 and a half i just think this is one of those classic spots where they get beaten down without their weapons. And the market seemed to agree because Patriots are still a minus three favorite with, you know, Bailey Zappi as their quarterback. 
And Dan, we were trendsetters with our Jalen Waddle, uh, Tyree Kill, drafting them on the same team together in the high stakes streets. Um, people were laughing at that decision back in back in September, but now they're not laughing at us now, are they? No, definitely not. Uh, yeah, it definitely feels good, uh, you know, and and pairing them up with Josh Allen for the quarterback. So we weren't even relying on Tua, um, you know, with the fact that you know now Bridgewater's in there. You know, every, everybody was kind of like, okay, well, I see why you did that, but, uh, you know, why didn't you go ahead and draft Tua also? And it's like, well, when you have Josh Allen, Tua just is no longer a, a real uh, priority at, at, that, at that point. Um, let's, let's throw um, Seattle into that conversation as well. Pete, what do you, what do you see with uh, Seattle? Um, is this uh, just a hall of mirrors, or is this for real, or what are we looking at here? I know. I feel like they're the one that is so tough. I mean, you look at all the advanced metrics for Geno Smith right now. He's like top seven across the board for basically any kind of quarterback peripheral or stat you'd look at. And then, you know, I talk to people and everyone's like, it still just feels like, you know, Pete Carroll eventually going to go back to his ways, turtle shell, this offense. I I'm not so sure. Like this is kind of similar to, you know, the, the, uh, the Dolphins as well, where it's really concentrated around Metcalf and lock it they have a great running game that i think teams really have to respect especially with kenneth walker coming along i feel like this game against the saints this week is kind of a good neutral test to kind of see where they're at ultimately and if they'll push the pace or if that's just been you know a product of their game environments but man i'm i'm cautiously optimistic on these guys i also i'm getting i have a hard time with this backfield too because penny's performing so well and yet it also feels like kenneth walker is somewhat inevitable. So how, how do you guys think this plays out? If Penny stays healthy the whole season, do, who do you think ends up owning that backfield by the end of the season? I think it's going to be Walker by the end of the season. I mean, Penny's already dealing with, you know, a couple little knocks here and there. Um, and I just think the coaching staff really likes Walker. We've never seen a full season out of Rashad Penny. Um, I think if you have Penny now, just kind of ride it, ride him into the sunset. But I think by the end of the season, you know, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker is going to be definitely fantasy viable and it might be, you know, as soon as, you know, mid season. So I know Dan, we, we have some Kenneth Walker. Um, do you agree on that one? I mean, I, I definitely wonder about that because I, you know, Pete Carroll's never been a big one on using his rookies. Um, you know, if he gets forced into it, he'll definitely do it. Uh, you know, but how long did we watch uh, Chris Carson keep uh, Penny on the shelf? Uh, True. You know, obviously Penny that had a lot to do with that with his own injuries. But uh, even when Penny was healthy, uh, you know, Chris Carson always seemed to get the nod. So uh, I would not be surprised as long as Penny stays healthy to see him have the majority of this backfield and uh, Walker just kind of get slowly worked in. Uh, right on cue as I say this, Bob Condotta uh, releases the Seahawks practice report. Kenneth Walker pops up with a shoulder injury. So, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, great timing. Okay. Great timing. I, I love I love that we see Tyler Lockett beating his ADP. Tyler Lockett was the guy we talked about on the Goat District as, like, oh yeah, this this summer he was he was a guy we were like, why is he going this late? There's no possible way he's going to be a wide receiver five. And you saw NFFC leagues where you know that's a start three wide receiver in a flex uh, format, and Tyler Lockett in some of those early RotoWire OCs was going in like the ninth round. Um, eighth round, um, he he's he's just a very very good player, and they're allowing Gino to have a lot of pass attempts. And I think you know DK is easy to see; he's an alpha. 
Um, he was he's going to beat his ADP. But Tyler Lockett quietly is like an every week flex, um, you know, type guy, and he's going to end up being very uh, valuable. So um, I'm bullish on the Seattle offense. I love the fact that they're letting Geno Smith go for it. Um, you know, he also had like over 40 yards rushing and a touchdown last week. Um, Dan and I were, were laughing. We have a we have one NFFC team that we we split. I was a Trey Lance team, and it's it our, and now we have Jared Goff and uh, Geno Smith as our two QBs. And we're not like sickened and grossed out by it yet. Yeah. In a couple of yeah. weeks we might be. Yeah. But like this weekend we're like cautiously optimistic. Yeah, as someone who's trying to piece together, you know, Trey Lance backup plans on multiple rosters, I would kill for for Jared Goff and Geno Smith. I mean, we're really digging the bottom of the barrel, trying to get Kenny Pickett through this brutal stretch. So yeah, I mean, I would feel very comfortable with that combo. So staying on Kenny Pickett, um, he's taken over in Pittsburgh. Mitch Trubisky sent back to the bench. What are your expectations for Pittsburgh moving forward? And does Kenny Pickett starting at QB kind of move anybody up or down for you? Yeah, so this one's so hard because I I was very excited about the Kenny Pickett era, and yet I've been so frustrated with how it's rolled out. I thought the whole way that Mike Tomlin played this, where he did it mid-game as opposed to giving you know his rookie 10 games or sorry, 10 days to prep for this game. It, and now you're throwing them basically into the the lion's den of this schedule. I mean, this, this matchup on yeah. the road versus the Bills is brutal. They have the Eagles coming up in a couple of weeks. It's just going to be a tough stretch. And so I'm like, you know, I'm just praying that he doesn't implode to the point where they start having second thoughts. And if he can just show enough, not make too many backbreaking mistakes, the schedule really opens up towards the fantasy playoffs basically week 11 12 on it really gets easy and everything you'd want you know him targeting pickens him targeting pat fryermuth you can just see the upside for this offense and the upside is just being better than mitch trubisky and ben roethlisberger and i think he can do that it's extremely weird that you don't want him to get the first start against the jets like in in a in a winnable game um i agree that's that's super weird i'm curious what what your thoughts are on on him with Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson is a, a guy that had a he had a poor game last week. Um, do we think he's QB proof, or do you think it's going to be a, maybe we need to treat Deontay Johnson kind of like a on that wide receiver two three line rather than a high end wide receiver two option? It does seem like something's going to have to give, and I think what might ultimately give is that Chase Claypool is basically erased from this offense. Um, And then it just funnels through Deontay Johnson, Pickens, who kind of takes over as the deep threat, and then Fryermuth. If Claypool stays relevant, I think that definitely hurts Deontay Johnson's volume case because that's what he's really hung his hat on is just being this this target hog. And what do we – I feel like we see with competent quarterbacks, like they spread it around a little bit more. They don't lock in on just that first read, which is what Deontay Johnson has been for Trubisky and, and Roethlisberger. So I think Deontay Johnson can survive this at the expense of Claypool, but if Claypool's still getting his, I do think it could get messy. Yeah, I, I just don't think Claypool's really going to get his. I mean, you know, he's he's never been a Tomlin favorite. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think Pickens is definitely the ascendant piece in this offense. Uh, Deontay Johnson, if, you know, if somebody's selling low, I'd probably be buying, but... Uh, Claypool, I think, uh, Theo, we had one Claypool share, and uh, we jettisoned that this week. So, Yeah, it's goodbye, goodbye Chase Claypool, but 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very bullish on Fryermuth um, with the with the rookie QB that seems to like him. Um, you know, we're, we're big fans of Fryermuth in the GOAT district. We'll, we'll, maybe we could use this to break a tie right now, Dan. Dan and I have a NFFC super team that we share with Andrew Schellenberg. And our tight ends this week are, well, tight ends every week are Gerald Everett and Pat Fryermuth, which is nice to have, but it's a continual headache picking the one to start. Who are you going with this week, Everett or Fryermuth? Man, that one is really close. Um, geez, I think I think I just prefer the game environment much more for the Chargers against that Browns game. It has one of the better totals of the week, and I do think there's just risk of, yeah, sure you could you could get some garbage time with them, but when you look at you know 14 and a half point favorites in this Bills defense, you could just see it being a super rough day where I I just worry about the entire offense cratering. And uh, again, it looks like Keenan Allen's probably going to miss another week. Um, Gerald Everett's been good. He has that that nice red zone role. I think I'm just going to side with the better offense, better implied team total, all that jazz this week. Well, Dan, there goes my garbage time argument that I had in the chat <laughs> with you and Andrew. It just goes, you know. I, 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 you guys been pushing, debating this? Yeah, I, I've been pushing this, this every, every, week, every week. week. You know, I'm just like, guys, I mean, I know Fryer was good, but it, we have Everett too. Should we play him? And uh, every, every time Theo's like, no, it's smooth, it's smooth, it's smooth. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a mooth, I'm a mooth stand. It's, it's he, he I love I, Pat Fryermuth. I just hate this spot for them this week. It's just so right. brutal. That's, that's, that's exactly where I'm at. I, you know, most of the time, uh, I'm more than happy to let Theo have his way on Fryermuth. I just kind of <laughs> throw it out there, you know, just to, you know, to be the guy who's throwing, you know, throwing out there that, hey, we do have an option. Uh, we did but, have Gerald Everett a few times, though. We had Gerald Everett on the on the smash game. He was in the lineup. Did we? I, I no, think we I did. Think we, I think we played. Did we played we? him in other. I think we played him on other teams. I don't think we played anybody but Muth on that team. I don't. That know. team is Welcome running so team. pure. That team is, is running so pure, Dan. That you know we don't even <laughs> necessarily pay attention to the smash games on our bench. Um, That's right. Another big game this weekend um, is Baltimore hosting Cincinnati. Last year, the Ravens lost twice to the Bengals and conceded 41 points in each game. This feels like a landmine game for the Ravens. It's like uh, you got to get it, get the big monkey off your back, the team that, from your division that you've lost to twice in a row. What's your prediction for this game and kind of some things we should be looking for fantasy-wise? Start with Peter. Yeah, this one... This is what I was, I was talking to my uh, buddy, Mike Leone, about this. We were saying how we're so frustrated this isn't on the main slate for DFS purposes because you have such an awesome buy low opportunity on multiple Bengals here. Feels like a get right game for both Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. Um, I've never been the biggest Joe Mixon guy, but his passing game usage is really promising right now and it seems like everyone's kind of frustrated with the efficiency in this offensive line you know a lot of us spent you know top five picks on jamar chase he's been a bit disappointment but man this Ravens secondary has been pretty bad um i know divisional games can either kind of go either way where they go bonkers or it's a you know a really tight low scoring game this feels like one of the bonker games to me and so yeah i think this is gonna be a fun one and i do like uh the Bengals in this spot i think yeah, totally agree. I mean, the the Ravens are rumored to actually be starting actual lawn chairs at cornerback <laughs> this this week. So, um, you know, I I'm firing up any Bengals receiver I can get my hands on. Yeah, ba- it's the it's the Ravens are like minus three at home. Um, the the Ravens offense is humming though. I think that this is a shootout game. 
I really hope that we get a tremendous uh, fantasy game for both teams. A lot of Bengals, a lot of Ravens in my starting lineups. Um, another big game this weekend is Philadelphia heading to Arizona. Um, is Philadelphia the best team in the NFC, guys? I think so. I mean, who who would even be – who are we putting up there with them? I mean, I think the Rams are frauds. I think the Packers have lots of issues. Who am I forgetting? I guess the Bucks. Is that who? Yeah, the Bucks. I think. I, I, I'm not sure how many issues how, – how many issues do you think Green Bay has? I mean – they, I just other than getting dismantled by Minnesota in week one, they've looked pretty darn good. Yeah, I think if they if they really are able to kind of ramp up and get you know Dobbs and Christian Watson heavily involved, which was encouraging with Watson's usage, I do think then they'll have kind of the playmakers to mm-hmm. kind of compete in the playoffs. I think just with without those guys having significant roles, I just really worry about their explosiveness. If you can just sell out to stop the run against them. Um, and then you have a bunch of other catch and fall down specialists. You can see the Alan Lazard disdain in, in my voice. But yeah, if they get those rookies going, I'll, I'll get more bullish. Yeah, for sure. And, and and as Joe King says, the Packers just beat a backup quarterback at home in overtime. Uh, I would argue that that's kind of their modus operandi um, in a lot of cases. Uh, they they like to play down to the level of uh, an opponent at times. So. I, I don't necessarily think that disqualifies them, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a little bit concerning. Yeah, Philly to me is is pretty much by far and away the, the team to beat right now. I mean, it's only week five. A lot of things can change, but the yeah, combination they, of what they have and the offensive line and the, the defense has just been, you know, yeah, we that, saw in that Minnesota game how, how strong that defense is. That, that, that defense looks very playoff ready. I mean, you know, when you get, when you get into the playoffs, defense really does matter. And, uh, you know, they, them and the Bucks look like they have maybe a couple of the best defense. I, and it's, it seems strange to say that after Kansas City boat raced them. But, I mean, I, I really think the Bucks have one of the better defenses in the NFC. Staying in Philly, Miles Sanders is currently a top 10 running back. Um, is, should we be treating him as, a, as an, a, a true RB1 at this point? Um, I know the RB spot has been a lot, very beat up but he's running for almost five yards a carry. And again, it's that tremendous offensive line. He's next to a rushing quarterback. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on Miles Sanders moving forward? Is he a potential league winner? I mean, I feel like he's almost already paid off his his, his <laughs> draft cost. Um, right. it, and, you know, things have broken right for him, right? Boston Scott being inactive, you get this weather game against the Jags where they heavily relied on the run. They also just haven't really been pressed yet. We haven't even had to see the passing game really get going in the second half which is why i think people are so excited for this game against the cardinals but yeah i mean the other thing the reason i think people were so spooked on miles sanders one he told us not to draft him and they love a committee in philadelphia but we were all excited or at least i was about kenneth gainwell and i thought he was going to have a really nice role and he just has not been involved to the extent i think we all collectively thought and so yeah it's paved the way for him i think he has like a little bit of that Devin Singletary feel to him, right? Where it's like we try to come up with ways to discredit his role or say it's going to change, and yet when push comes to shove, the team clearly trusts him and wants him out on the field. Right, exactly. Sirianni. And, yeah, Siri- and, and, the, and the thing is, too, I mean, you know, Gainwell, all those peripherals look really good. I mean, you know, you, you put him up there and you look at, you know, like his advanced stats, you know, like uh, he's – like um, I believe it's a, his uh, yards at yards after contact is is pretty incredible. 
you know, he's just he's doing a lot of things right. He's he's getting uh, almost as many. Uh, you know, like he's out in routes almost as much as Miles Sanders. He's just not getting targeted as much. So, you know, you see a lot of things there where if anything does happen to Sanders, I think Gainwell is definitely going to be the league winner. But for now, it's totally Sanders. Yeah, and Sirianni kind of played us all when he wore the Gainwell T-shirt to the press conference. Uh, I think a lot of people put a lot of lot of uh, a lot of credit to that T-shirt. But yeah, Sanders looks awesome to me. Um, and then sticking with that Philly Arizona game right now, Hollywood Brown is wide receiver six overall. What are your guys' expectations for Hollywood when DeAndre Hopkins returns? Yeah, I was I was excited about drafting Marquise Brown because I felt like you could have your cake eating it too. You could say the first six weeks he's going to be this target hog, which is kind of played out. He, I think he had 16 targets a couple weeks ago. And then you say, oh, DeAndre Hopkins comes back. He is getting single coverage as a deep threat. You know, defense is forced to pay attention to Nuke, and then you could see him getting loose for big plays. So I feel like the Marquise Brown part of the equation is mostly played out. It's just I'm still kind of down on Cliff. I'm down on this offense. I feel like even without Nuke, they've still kind of underperformed their talent. And I just have long-term concerns about Cliff being a competent offensive play caller that can get the most out of his personnel. He's the new Mike McCarthy. I mean, you know, just very uncreative on offense. You know, like it, you almost can tell that the opposing defense is sitting there going, okay, we don't have to worry about any special formations or any movement or anything like that. They're just lining up in the same positions and going all the time. He's very much a fake sharp um, yeah. who has a, a quarterback who can kind of make things happen. Um, and he's got a bunch of – he's – a bunch of guys on offense have kind of been underperforming besides Hollywood Brown. So Hollywood Brown's in kind of a perfect storm volume wise, and he's got the connection with Kyler. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, how much of a target share DeAndre Hopkins is going to have when he comes back. You know, we said maybe 20%. Um, I think he was a little little less than that last year. Um, so obviously having um, Hopkins there is going to help the whole offense. But like Pete said, you know, again, relying on Cliff week to week is a difficult thing. Um, one offense, and this I saw a tweet today was uh, JJ Zacharyson um, talked about Matt Stafford's not only quarterback twenty eight overall, but points per game wise, he's quarterback thirty three among all quarterbacks who have started a game this year. He's just been horrendous, and that Los Angeles offense has been terrible. They played Dallas at home this week. Um, outside of Cooper Cup, how concerned should we be about Matt Stafford in the Rams offense? Is there any hope here? guys or, or is, is Stafford and, and this offense sort of sort of dust for the season I'm I'm really concerned because you know Matthew Stafford because he's not giving us anything from a rushing standpoint like for him to pay off we need him throwing three to four touchdowns a game or at least sprinkling in these games in the same way we see other pocket passers like you know Burrow or, or Rogers or Brady do and with Allen Robinson flopping and Tyler Higby just being strictly kind of a an over the middle underneath guy who's not giving you anything after the catch. It's like, where are the explosive plays outside of Cooper cup? And, you know, I think about this a lot for DFS purposes. It's like, I don't even feel like you ever need to stack Stafford with cup, just play cup. You'll get all of the production straight through him. And then you couple that with the running game, just being, uh, you know, stuck in mud. It, it really is an offense that I'm not excited about. I was I saw ESPN's power rankings had them fifth overall. They had the Ravens like nine. I'm like, what are we looking at the same what? thing? Like this offense, I'm massively concerned about. 
Yeah, and the and the offensive line is just it, it's horrible right now, uh, and it looks like it's going to be horrible for at least a couple three more weeks. So, you know, I I don't see anything uh, in the near term that has me starting anyone but Cup from this offense. The 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 poor offensive line play has probably helped Tyler Higby though. I think like the the low A dot Higby looks mm-hmm. it's um he'd be the only Ram that I would I would feel good about starting. Um, you know. Again, managing expectations, but tight end such a mess. And the the running game, like the first week, we felt great about Darrell Henderson. Um, Akers looks just terrible, uh, and Henderson doesn't seem to be doing it anymore. So I, I think Dallas is as definitely a live dog on the road in Los Angeles. Um, what are some players that have slow starts out the gate that we can expect to see a turnaround from? Curious your thought on that, Pete. Yeah, like a yeah, not holding out a lot of hope for for Kyle Pitts. I'm trying to think here of a guy. You know, I'm I'm still hopeful that Elijah Moore can can kind of come on. You know, I, I we were drafting a ton of Garrett Wilson. I do think Garrett Wilson's going to be the top dog, but I don't think it necessarily has to come at the expense of Elijah Moore. Obviously, this comes down to can Zach Wilson be a competent quarterback, but I think once he gets his sea legs and they get going, I think things will kind of concentrate around more Wilson and Brees Hall. And when that does, I think all three of those guys will be solid. So I think more is a guy who's, you know, disappointed people. Um, the easy layup one is Jamar Chase. Like I, I don't really have any concerns about him, but yeah. What, what about you guys? Any, any by lows? I gave Elijah Moore as a by low yesterday. He's leads the NFL in, in routes run. And also I have so much of them that I kind of want to talk it into existence <laughs> kind of deal, but I, I think A.J. Dillon right now, I just like the way he yep. looks. Um, Aaron Aaron Jones is averaging like about 16 points per game, and Dillon's just a little less than 11. I would bet on them getting close to one another. Um, everything you want to see usage-wise is there for Dillon. Um, I think he actually he ran more routes than Jones last week, um, and they, he looked good to me in overtime in that, that Patriots game. So I'm, I'm on A.J. Dillon. Um, I like your Elijah Moore call a lot. Um, it's kind of it's kind of hard this year, but I do think you'll see some some good games out of DJ Moore just out of necessity. The targets were yeah. up last week, um, but yeah, the, I, I would say Elijah Moore is a very good call. And if you're in a trading league, it's definitely a guy to buy low on. And I think if you're in a dynasty league, I know a lot of people are getting a little nervous because of Garrett Wilson looking like such a proper alpha that Elijah Moore might be discounted. He's going to be in the league a long time. He's going to have a lot of fantasy success is the way I look at him. How about you, Dan? Yeah, for sure. Um, you, probably George Kittle. Uh, you know, it was concerning how how little he was targeted in the last game, but I think that might have been game plan specific. Uh, so I haven't lost hope for, for Kittle at all. Uh, you know, a, a couple of guys who I think are definitely really showing their age, uh, Joe Mixon and uh, uh, Dalvin Cook. You know, neither one of them have looked especially – um, you know, spry to me this this year. Uh, you know, Cook probably looks a li- has looked a little bit more spry, but uh, you know, with that shoulder injury that he's got going right now, uh, you know, it, it could be a couple three weeks before we see him back to full strength again. Uh, you know, maybe not until after the bye. So, but so, I, yeah, so I, w- I would say probably Kittle is my my biggest uh, buy low right now. Yeah, you definitely can buy low on Kittle. I think people are very frustrated, and that'll probably end up paying off. Um, I think a, you could make an argument for Brandon Ayuk as well. 
I think a lot of the 49ers uh, players are kind of beat up, but that offense, I think, will get better just based on I think they're well coached, and I think they're going to have some good matchups down the stretch. Um, kind of a, a bigger picture question for you guys. We've seen such an advantage from Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson teams uh, to start out the season. Do you think that when we're sitting down and drafting um, in Vegas in September of next year, you're going to see the truly elite quarterbacks being drafted higher? Like, I think this year you'd see Josh Allen going in, like, the fourth round. Once in a while he would sneak into that third round. Do you think that we're going to start seeing maybe a few guys in that third round type um, area? I, I think so because we already have kind of data points for this. We can look at underdogs resurrection ADP and see how people on the fly are valuing this. You know, this contest starts after week six, Lamar Jackson, ADP of nine, Josh Allen, 10.7, Jalen hurts, 15.7 Mahomes, 19.1. I mean, drafters are already aggressively moving to get these guys. And yeah, I think that's going to track over to our FFPC drafts. Um, you know, I think these macro trends definitely get, you know, pounded on by the field just like we're going to see way more wide receivers go early next year specifically in the first couple of rounds so yeah i think the the gap between these is uh definitely interesting i guess we do have some time to course correct right like if guys like geno smith and jared goff hold on and perform well for the whole season maybe we get a little late round qb buzz still hanging in there but as it looks now like if we went to vegas right now and redrafted main event teams don't you think you know these guys would all go in the top three rounds? Absolutely. Um, I think that it's, I mean, it's almost like a tier of their own, and you see like a, a basically a touchdown difference um, in terms of scoring from the from QB3 down to QB4. So, yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that. What about you, Dan? Do you think that this is a kind of like a changing of the guard and draft strategies? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a changing of the guard. I don't think it's going to be quite as extreme as what we're seeing in, in the uh, underdog right now, but uh, I, I definitely think it's for real and that the people are going to be starting to push up those quarterbacks. Uh, you know, we it, it's such a huge advantage having those guys that's uh, just impossible to ignore. And I agree with you on your, your wide receiver comment as well. Um, especially considering that the age of the of the running backs scoring a lot this year, they're all kind of like in the 25 and over range. So um, I think next year's first round is going to be kind of wild. Um, we're running a little low on time. Who is the number one pick next year when we're drafting in Vegas, guys? We have four weeks of data now. Who is going number one next year in FFPC main events? Man, I feel like I can't say – a running back just based on how these things are going. You know, we just talked about how down we are on Matthew Stafford in this offense. You've got to imagine some of that sentiment carries over a bit. We already saw that a little bit heading into this year when drafters were putting Justin Jefferson ahead of Cooper cup. Um, I'll say one of Justin Jefferson or Jamar chase, but I won't be wishy-washy. I'll say Jamar chase uh, ends up finishing the season red hot and ends up as the one Oh one next year. I'll right. say Justin Jefferson. Um, I, I said Jamar Chase when we did this exercise in the summer, but I, I'm going to go Justin Jefferson. I think we saw, you know, last week in London, and, you know, we there's there's no there's no T. Higgins opposite of him. I think he'll be number one everywhere next year. I, I, I'm going with the uh, the new Antonio Brown without all the craziness. Uh, Cooper Cup, I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> nobody's dethroned him yet, even though we've, we've – 
kind of all wanted it to happen a little bit. Um, so a couple couple quick questions uh, from the audience before we get you out of here, Pete. Um, Pit motor over London this week. Is that a, a play you would make? I think so. Yeah, I know people are worried about the cornerback matchup, but again, when we just look at the pass volume that we expect for the Colts relative to the Falcons, um, yeah, I want. It. And I know there's some some garbage time potential there. I don't even think London's a, a bad play per se, but I think with Pittman, um, you still need to get him in your lineup. Yeah, for sure. I I totally agree with that. Theo, thoughts on that? Pittman for me. Pittman for me. Um, even with the tough matchup, I mean, I just. Uh, like Pete said earlier, um, you know, we're, we're tr- trusting Arthur Smith to get Drake London the volume. I think Pittman, I know he'll be targeted. Um, even in a tough matchup, I know he's going to get targets tonight. All right. And then uh, it, we'll, we'll make this into a two-prong question, Pete. Uh, what do you think of Josh Jacobs going forward, and how bad has this been for the brand? Um, before, <laughs> before you answer, I'll, 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 I'll say I tweeted out earlier this week that Josh Jacobs is just a, you know, he's one of those players that I always find a reason to hate him every year. And then every year I'm like, why didn't I draft him? He was so fucking cheap. Um, so well, yeah, and, and he was, I'll, I'll he was even, thoughts. he was even more cheap on underdog than even in FFPC. Like I was never going to consider him on FFPC, but like, in retrospect, like some of the times when he was falling to the seventh and eighth round, you know, we had we had Leone on one of our live streams this summer when we were all trying to fade him. I think in the eighth round of a ship chasing draft, and Leone yelled at us that we had fucking jumped the shark, and he was correct. We had uh, fully jumped the shark. I think you know his his um all of his peripherals and stuff have increased each week. Like I said, it looked like a cell phone graph as far as his you know usage, and so I think there's still a little room for for skepticism here um you know bolden and abdullah both been a little banged up at times i do think this new coaching staff still likes zamir white but as far as right now i mean let the let the good times roll definitely taking an l on a full josh jacobs fade right now but i don't also necessarily think this is exactly how the full season's going to play out because we've also seen lots of ups and downs ebbs and flows for josh jacobs throughout the years in the same way we have for joe mixon where it's not taking away from their ceiling case but they don't necessarily have that that locked in floor that you'd like from you know the grade A bell cows. Yep. One last question for Pete. Um, we need to talk about the scourge on our communities, pickleball. What what is your what is your end game with your anti pickleball campaign? Are you just want awareness against it, or are you for a total ban? Theo, I just want the courts that our children play across on uh, across the country to be restored. I want kids to be able to go play four square and hopscotch and, you know, draw on chalk. I don't need hipsters out here displacing them playing this geriatric game. Ironically, I think this is a government psyops. We now have LeBron James, all of these big guys pummeling money into this. They're all just stuffing their coffers with this dirty pickleball money. Everyone will move on to the next hipster sport here in six months and they'll leave the youth of America here crying, wondering what happened, Theo. That's my issue. Fighting the good fight, Pete. Are you guys pickleball heads? I mean, feel free to be on. We are not. We are not. There's a rumor that JD is playing pickleball right now, and that's why he's not here on the show. But Uh-oh. I want to debunk that. That is just an internet rumor. That's, yeah, that is just a rumor. I mean, I'm even geriatric, and I don't play it, so, you know. Well, I mean, I went down I went down to Hilton Head last March, and that was, like, my first time seeing it up close, and it was all retirees. And I was like, oh, this is a great thing for them. And now it's every young person who's like, mm-hmm. oh, I found my new thing. It's like, 
go get in a fucking bowling league like I did back in in my twenties. All right, have the have the the beer pitchers uh, for the beer frames. I mean, let's let's just do normal stuff. You don't have to pretend like you I, like this sport. I, I I am seeing tap houses putting in pickleball courts. I mean, yeah, seriously. Well, they at my at my gym, they told me, you know, they now have everything blocked off so mm -hmm. people could play pickleball. And they're like, look, you know, basketball is not pulling in new memberships. They're like, we are selling memberships on pickleball alone. And I looked them in the face and I was like, I know you got to do what you need to for your bottom line, but I will boycott this gym if you take away our hard courts from the youth of America who just want to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> No, absolutely. It's uh, it's spreading on Long Island. Um, you see it all over the place. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it's it's definitely a little wild. Um, you see these in the in the morning, it's old people, and then you know in the early evening, it's like thirty year olds. So, you never know where you get with a pickleball court. It's a shame. Yep. It's a shame. Yep. Definitely. All right, guys. Well, it is uh, seven oh four. Uh, we got about uh, ten or fifteen minutes here before we got to get our lineups all locked in and everything. So we'll let everybody get out of here. But uh, thanks, Pete, for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, Theo, what do we have uh, coming up in the next uh, week, week and a half or so? So we'll be back on Monday night for with uh, Mario Puig of Rotowire uh, joining us for a another tailgate. And then Tuesday night, we had a um, Michael Edelman and Matt Modica of the NFFC in our first high stakes roundtable early in the season. Now we're going to be joined by the defending uh, Rotowire. OC champion Billy Wazowski, an NFFC Hall of Famer, and Biplot Mandel. So we've got an FFPC guy and an NFFC guy. We're going to talk some big, big picture uh, topics, and we're going to talk about the high stakes streets. So that'll be a lot of fun on Tuesday. All right, that sounds great. All right, we're going to let you guys get out of here. Um, thanks everybody for joining us.